Welcome to sleep with soothing voices. Each episode features a calming voice to help you to relax and sleep. There are also occasional bonus episodes in which I share information related to this podcast series. And now, enjoy another session of Sleep with Soothing Voices. I'm going to read part of an essay called Dream Soap by Alexander Smith. He was someone who had long searched for somewhere to call home. And as soon as he saw Dreamsorp, he knew that that was the place where he wanted to be, and where he wanted to stay for the rest of his life. It matters not to relate how or when I became a denizen of Dreamsorp. It will be sufficient to say that I am not a born native, but that I came to reside in it a good while ago now. The several towns and villages in which, in my time, I have pitched a tent did not please for one obscure reason or another. This one was too large, t'other too small, but when, on a summer evening about the hour of eight, I first beheld Dreamsorp, with its westward-looking windows painted by sunset, its children playing in the single straggling street, the mothers knitting at the open doors, the fathers standing about in long white blouses, chatting or smoking. The great tower of the ruined castle, rising high into the rosy air, with a whole troop of swallows, by distance made as small as gnats, skimming about in its rents and fissures. When I first beheld all this, I felt instinctively that my knapsack might be taken off my shoulders, that my tired feet might wander no more, that at last on the planet I had found a home. From that evening I have dwelt here, and the only journey I am like now to make is the very inconsiderable one, so far at least as distance is concerned, from the house in which I live to the graveyard beside the ruined castle. There with the former inhabitants of the place, I trust to sleep quietly enough, 
and nature will draw over our heads her coverlet of green sod, and tenderly tuck us in as a mother her sleeping ones, so that no sound from the world shall ever reach us, and no sorrow trouble us any more. The village stands far inland, and the streams that trot through the soft green valleys all about have as little knowledge of the sea as the three years child of the storms and passions of manhood. The surrounding country is smooth and green, full of undulations and pleasant country roads strike through it in every direction, bound for distant towns and villages, yet in no hurry to reach them. On these roads, the lark in summer is continually heard. Nests are plentiful in the hedges and dry ditches, and on the grassy banks and at the feet of the boat dikes, the blue-eyed speedwell smiles its benison on the passing wayfarer. On these roads you may walk for a year and encounter nothing more remarkable than the country cart. Troops of tawny children from the woods, laden with primroses, and at long intervals, for people in this district live to a ripe age. A black funeral, creeping in from some remote hamlet. And to this last, the people reverently doff their hats and stand aside. Death does not walk about here often, but when he does, he receives as much respect as the squire himself. Everything round one is unhurried, quiet, moss-grown, and orderly. Season follows in the track of season, and one year can hardly be distinguished from another. Time should be measured here by the silent dial, rather than by the ticking clock or by the chimes of the church. Dreamthorpe can boast of a respectable antiquity, and in it the trade of the builder is unknown. Ever since I remember, not a single stone has been laid on the top of another. The castle inhabited now by jackdaws and starlings, is old. The chapel which adjoins it is older still, and the lake behind both, and in which their shadows sleep, is, I suppose, as old as Adam. A fountain in the marketplace all mouths and faces and curious arabesques, as dry, however, as the castle moat, has a tradition connected with it, 
and a great noble riding through the street one day several hundred years ago was shot from a window by a man whom he had injured. The death of this noble is the chief link which connects the place with authentic history. The houses are old, and remote dates may yet be deciphered on the stones above the doors. The apple trees are mossed and ancient. Countless generations of sparrows have bred in the thatched roofs, and thereon have chirped out their lives. In every room of the place, men have been born, men have died. On Dreamthorpe, centuries have fallen, and have left no more trace than have last winter's snowflakes. This commonplace sequence and flowing on of life is immeasurably affecting. That winter morning when Charles lost his head in front of the banqueting hall of his own palace, the icicles hung from the eaves of the houses here, and the clown kicked the snowballs from his clouted shoes, and thought but of his supper, when at three o'clock the red sun set in the purple mist. On that Sunday in June, while Waterloo was going on, the gossips, after morning service, stood on the country roads discussing agricultural prospects without the slightest suspicion that the day passing over their heads would be a famous one in the calendar. Battles have been fought, kings have died, history has transacted itself. But all unheeding and untouched, Dreamsorpe has watched apple trees redden and wheat ripen and smoked its pipe and quaffed its mug of beer and rejoiced over its newborn children and with proper solemnity carried its dead to the churchyard. As I gaze on the village of my adoption, I think of many things very far removed, and seem to get closer to them. The last setting sun that Shakespeare saw reddened the windows here and struck warmly on the faces of the hinds coming home from the fields. The mighty storm that raged while Cromwell lay dying made all the oak woods groan round about here and tore the thatch from the very roofs I gaze upon. When I think of this, I can almost 
so to speak, lay my hand on Shakespeare and on Cromwell. These poor walls were contemporaries of both and I find something affecting in the thought. The mere soil is, of course, far older than either, but it does not touch one in the same way. A wall is the creation of a human hand. The soil is not. This place suits my whim, and I like it better year after year. As with everything else, since I began to love it, I find it gradually growing beautiful. Dreamthorpe, a castle, a chapel, a lake, a straggling strip of grey houses, with a blue film of smoke over all, lies embosomed in emerald. Summer, with its daisies, runs up to every cottage door. From the little height where I am now sitting, I see it beneath me. Nothing could be more peaceful. The wind and the birds fly over it. A passing sunbeam makes brilliant a white gable end and brings out the colours of the blossomed apple tree beyond and disappears. I see figures in the street but hear them not. The hands on the church clock seem always pointing to one hour. Time has fallen asleep in the afternoon sunshine. I make a frame of my fingers and look at my picture. On the walls of the next Academy's exhibition will hang nothing half so beautiful. 